So it took until the first verse of the first song that we sang tonight before God gave a word that encapsulated kind of how my week has gone, how my day has gone, moving into Good Friday. The word is unsettled. Here's my reasoning behind it. Many times in life, you are going from one event to the next event. There's a lot of activity. There's things building all along the way. You look out and you know that there is a major event that is coming. And you're wanting to focus on that. And yet everything else along the way continues to pull attraction and attention and focus away from that. As you all know, I, I like my schedules. I like structure. And as I was thinking about preparation and and looking into this evening for Good Friday, I just found myself distracted, unfocused, unsettled. And it wasn't until the first part of the first song that all of a sudden that made sense. Today should be a day that we feel unsettled. Good Friday is not business as usual. Good Friday was a day that stood out as a one-of-a-kind, never-to-be-repeated day. There's a reason why there's an unsettledness. There's an unsettledness that comes into our heart as we think about what Jesus went through on Good Friday. There should be an unsettledness that comes into our heart when we think about the fact that it is the sins of the world. It's my sin, it's your sin, it's everyone's sin that placed our Savior on the cross. There should be a queasiness sometimes to our stomachs as we think about what happened on this day. Praise the Lord, Easter is just a couple of days away. But there is a solemnness about Good Friday. Good Friday is a time that we remember Jesus' death on the cross and the price that was paid for our redemption. I have shared this statement before. The only thing we brought to salvation was the sin that made it necessary. So for us to consider Good Friday and the fact that Jesus died on the cross, I, I want us to take a few moments before we receive communion and I want us to contemplate, I want us to think about what he endured because of our sin. So there's a passage that I want to read to you. It's actually out of Luke chapter number 23. In Luke chapter 23, I'll begin reading in verse number 33. Listen to what it says. This is a description of what's taking place on Calvary, the last few minutes going into the death of Christ. It says, starting in verse number 33, when they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And they cast lots, dividing his garments among themselves, and the people stood by looking on. And even the rulers sneer, were sneering at him, saying, he saved others. 
Let him save himself if this is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Verse 38. Now there was also an inscription above him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuking him said, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour, because the sun was obscured, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. These verses describe the last few minutes of our Savior's life just before his death. There's other events that led into that particular set of verses that also describes what he endured, what he went through in order to pay the price for redemption. He endured physical pain as he was beaten on his way to the cross, as a crown of thorns was pressed into his brow, as nails pierced his hands and his feet. He endured spiritual pain as he labored in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane to the point that drops of blood beaded up on his brow. There's a spiritual pain he goes through as he's about to go through a type of separation with the Father that we don't even fully understand. He suffered emotional pain as people are sneering at him and taunting him and mocking him and hurling abuse at him. He, he endured pain at every level as he is paying the price for our sin on the cross. On Calvary, there are three types of death in relation to sin. There is the rebellious criminal who died in sin. Then there's the repentant criminal who died to sin. And then there is Jesus who died for sin. Without a doubt, Jesus is the hero of the story. Without a doubt, if he had not done what he did on the cross, there would be no opportunity for you and I to experience eternal life. He did not pay a sin debt of his own. He paid our sin debt on the cross. But if you and I were to look carefully, we will see ourselves in one of the other two criminals that was crucified with Jesus. There are some people who are represented by the repentant criminal. That is those who, at a point somewhere in their life, God has sovereignly acted on their behalf. He has illumined a deceived mind. He has quickened a dead spirit. He has enabled a person to respond in faith to the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And when that happens, that person transitions from death to life. They are saved. For that individual, here it is, they now died to sin. 
Romans chapter 6, verse 11 says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. To be dead to sin doesn't mean that a person is sinless. It simply means that they are dead to the power and the control of that former sin nature. Praise God, we are dead to sin if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. But there are some people that are represented by the rebellious criminal. They don't yet know Jesus as Lord and Savior. They are still in rebellion. They are still unrepentant of their sin. They are dead in sin. Ephesians 2.5, it describes life prior to Christ, and it says, even when we were dead in sins, or Colossians 2.13, it says, and you being dead in your sins. To be dead in sin, it means that you are dead to spiritual things and separated from the life of God. You and I are either dead in sin or we are dead to sin. For the person who is dead in sin, there is hope in Jesus Christ. For the person who is dead to sin, there is life because of Jesus Christ. It's on Good Friday that we remember Jesus' death on the cross that made that life, eternal life, possible. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we get an opportunity this evening to walk through and remember the price that was paid in communion. And this is a, a time that reflects back upon this final night when Jesus spent with his disciples as they celebrated the Passover. And it was in that evening as they're celebrating that he changes the meaning of the elements. And now the bread it represents his body that was going to be broken and the wine it represents his blood that is about to be spilt. And whenever we go through and and focus on and celebrate communion. It is a time for us to remember the price that was paid for our redemption. So as we receive communion, I want you to think about this one thought. Jesus died for sin so that we could be dead to sin. Take a moment, just bow your heads where you're at. And I want to encourage you to take some time, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and reflect upon the fact that he has done everything that is necessary for you to have eternal life. I want you to think about the fact that he died for sin so that we could die to sin. Communion is a celebration for those who are in the family of God. Scripture does not tell us to remember his birth, but it does tell us to remember his death. So in the next few moments, I want to encourage you, take some time, sit with the Lord, and ask God, is there anything that is between my soul and you? Is there any unconfessed sin that is in my life? And if so, take a moment and confess that sin before God. Turn from that sin and thank Jesus for the forgiveness that you have in Christ. As you are in prayer, our pastors are going to begin taking their places at the communion tables in order to prepare to serve communion. You all take a few moments to just be alone with the Lord.